Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Gridiron Crew, an NFL podcast made in Scotland discussing America's game. Week 8 is just around the corner, so it's time for the preview crew. I'm your host, Dan, and joining me tonight are some of the finest crew members. First up, he's a Sunday night stroke Monday night football social media hero because the rest is are still in bed. Also, his team seems to have turned a corner, much like him when he joined us from his car. So, how are you? <laughs> Right, I'm doing great. Um, yeah, that was a brilliant intro. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I love that you you got that. Can I? You managed to, um, you know, bring us on a bit of a journey there before you introduced me. I did. That's, that's what it's, it's all about. <laughs> Nobody knows where we're going. That's the usual. That's the whole podcast normally. Oh. <laughs> right. Like you no direction at all. You got off lately here. Next, there's a guy here. There's a bit of chat that he loves a big horn. So we've heard that it's King. Welcome. <laughs> Superb. I'm I'm good, mate. I'm good. Enjoying um yeah, enjoyed the weekend's uh, football and I looking forward to uh, doing some of the previews of this weekend's game as well. So a few crackers lined up, so it's gonna yeah. be a good one. Yeah, and we get an extra hours football clocks go back. Oh, so yeah, we, uh, we bonus this weekend. So I don't forget your red zone starts at five o'clock, boys. Well, that does for us, not for Stu, obviously. So but <laughs> Yeah, yeah we, we extra hours worth of uh, red zone, so bonus. I know. Stu, so you might actually get company for some of Sunday Night Football. <laughs> I probably, yeah, because my, my clock doesn't change till it's another week for us. So we end up, this is one of those great times of year where I'm only six hours different from the rest of you. So yeah, we yeah. can definitely maybe for the first half of Sunday Night Football, there might be more of you kicking around and uh, that, yeah. that should be quite fun. Yeah. As the bears, as the bears, the bears against the Chargers, so we may not just bother. <laughs> Grant, Grant will be there. Grant will be there. Front and center. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. So we're going to go with a kickoff question. So following the last week's game with the, the Eagles wore their Kelly green jerseys, and uh, Travis Kelsey was interviewed, and he tried to call dibs on Jason's jersey, saying that's no, nobody's getting it. It's mine. Well, Jason turned around and told him. Beat it, you're not getting it, I'm keeping it. So tonight's quick kickoff question is, if you could pick any match-worn NFL jersey from any player, from any team, from any era, who would it be and why? Craig, we'll start with yourself. Whoa. Yeah, had a good think about this one. I was trying to avoid the kind of obvious answers. So like, I, I think everyone would want a signed Tom Brady jersey, not only because... It's probably the most sought after jersey and the most valuable jersey that you could probably get to uh, to auction off. But from a from like a Homer selfish point of view, like I've I've only recently followed the Vikings in the past maybe you know six seasons or so. But I was thinking about like legendary players that have like changed the game um, for the, for the Vikings. So I'm gonna go for Randy Moss and I'm gonna pick up a signed Randy Moss jersey. I think there's a few Great. kind of modern day. Um, players that I was thinking about as well, but I, I would go for Moss because when you look at some of the some of the videos of uh, Moss at his absolute peak, he was just unbelievable. Like just such a great, great wide receiver, uh, record-breaking wide receiver, and just just phenomenal talent. So I would absolutely love to get yeah, sign Moss jersey. Thank you very much. Great shout! Great shout! Uh, you, so you wouldn't choose that. Sorry, go. I was just going to say, Dan, like. Smudger, you wouldn't choose a Blair Walsh. I, I would not speak, speak choose a, guy a Blair the game. Walsh. Like, you know, changed the game in massive ways. He, he certainly changed the result of a game for you guys back in the day and became a bit of, a, of uh, our group, the crew, kind of a bit of a crew mascot. 
shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's he's a cult figure, Blair Walsh. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, and I would, yeah, I would maybe if I was going to have my framed Randy Moss jersey right in the middle of my you know my man cave that I'll get one of these days. Uh, maybe, maybe there'll be a wee space on the side for a Blair. I'll, I'll, I'll put him to the left, obviously, because he, he he likes going <laughs> to the left. So, so the the, <laughs> the Blair Walsh make him comfortable. To, yeah, way way left of the Randy Moss jersey. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, when you say about Randy Moss jerseys, I think pretty much everybody in the NFL could have assigned Randy Moss jersey from their own team. <laughs> Aye. <Yeah. laughs> no, great uh, choice. Oh, see, I was thinking about this long and hard, and I think, for me, I mean, there's obviously, we've never won a Super Bowl, so it's, it's kind of harder. With it. I mean, you're Join the, the same boat, John Job. It's kind of hard to go, because, like, you know, obviously a lot of people, the boot we choose a guy and go, like, oh, I don't know, like, let's say, I imagine if you're a Steelers fan, you know, you could maybe say, like, I don't know, the, the boss, like, you know, grab Jerome Bettis or whatever, like, you know, a jersey for 2005 signed, and he played for a bunch of other teams as well and did well, but, you know, that was the year he won his Super Bowl. For a Bengals fan, it's kind of a bit harder, but, like, for me, like, I love watching, I guess, like, one of my favourite players ever, I love watching like old video, uh, um, like Big Willie kind of thing. So it's like I I love an O line guy as well. I love a big boy. Yeah. So I think for me it has to be that, or maybe if I'm going more recent, Andrew Whitworth. Like I mean, he did win a Super Bowl against us, but I couldn't be mad about that. So Andrew Whitworth has been like one of my favourite players of the last like twenty years, kind of thing. Like especially when he was a Bengal and. Part of me was happy that we traded him, or you know, we let him go to the Rams, like because they seemed more likely to win a Super Bowl. Because when he went, we were entering that downturn cycle, like before we we got Burrow. So yeah, no, probably I think Big Willie before that, but maybe Andy Whitworth is a as a second kind of choice. What about you, yeah. Dan? Uh, mine's is going to be a complete homer pick, and it'd be no surprise to anybody because my picks are always homer picks. Well, I mean, uh, someone else. <laughs> I know that, that is that is true. But my an obvious one is what I mean. More, more like um, I've got to go any year for the early nineties. The Super Bowl winning teams with yeah. Michael Irvin shot the white. No, it's got to be the Irvin, white one. Okay. Yeah. I, nice. I, um, yeah, Michael Irvin eighty-eight shot the white one. Just, uh, just, just, uh, I just, it's just class. Uh, like and also, my my dad has unfortunately met him as well, and he seems like a very nice guy as well. So. Oh, has he? Yeah. Got to go Mike claim to fame there as well. Yeah. He's met him. When, he was, when the NFL, when the Cowboys played at Wembley because my dad was working on the sideline, all the TV crews ah, were obviously there. So yeah, he's he's going to ask Mike who Marvin, did that come up with. That's pretty cool. Daryl Johnson as well, the moose. Picture with him as well. So, oh, um, nice. And Emmett Smith as well, I think he got as well. So, yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say Emmett Smith actually, because that's usually like one of the ones that the you know the Cowboys fans kind of, especially yeah. from that '90s team, like that's the kind of guy that they sort of gravitate towards. Yeah, I'm a wide, he I'm was, a wide guy though. He was a big team. Yeah, what's that? I'm a wide receiver guy though. Aye, aye. I prefer my receivers to my running backs. To be fair, that's a debate so, for another day. <laughs> I was going to say, so, so does uh, most of the team's GMs going by the way they pay them. <laughs> That's exactly what was meaning. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a discussion for another point, as we've yeah. covered many times this season. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, guys. So let's get cracked on with the games. So, we've changed up the order tonight. So, tonight, first game up is going to be the tail of the quarterbacks from the first round draft this year. We've got CG Young against so CG Stroud 
Stroud, yeah. Interchangeable young quarterbacks. Ah, that's what difference does it make? TJ Stroud versus Bryce Young. So, Craig, tell us through, take us through the story of the season so far. Yes, definitely. Definitely, this is the headline of this this matchup for sure. The fact that you've got the the, the overall first pick and the the overall second pick against each other. Uh, I think if if you're the Houston Texans right now, or you're a Texans fan right now, you on the evidence that we've seen so far this season, you're going to be absolutely delighted that you've opted for CJ Stroud. He's you know he's had an absolutely brilliant start to the season. Uh, he's set his own records as far as consecutive passes without uh, an interception. He's only recorded the, the one interception so far. He's just looked so calm, composed, uh, really, really settled into this Texans team. Um, and he starts to lie, you know, he's thrown for over 1,600 yards and he's got nine touchdowns so far. So absolutely brilliant. And I think this, this matchup against the Panthers as well, because it's this first overall pick, second overall pick, I think he's going to probably want to prove a wee bit of a point as well, like kind of, you know, showing a wee bit of this is what you could have had. Uh, the yeah. fact that the, the, the Panthers, you know, say they, they, they've patched him and they've they've gone for Bryce Young, who on the flip side, I think, hasn't, hasn't really, you know, fulfilled the potential yet. He's shown flashes of what he can do. Um, but, you know, Carolina, they are where they are. They're, they're not winless for, for, for no reason. They've, they've had a lot of struggles. Um, their their defence, their secondary in particular, it's, I mean, it's been poor. It has been banged up. I think it's fair to say that. Um, that yes, maybe they, they would have improved a little bit had they not had a lot of the injuries that they've had. Um, but I, I do really fancy the, the, the Texans to, to win this one. I've got to say, I think the Panthers... Young when he when he's passed the ball, Adam Thielen has been the basically the go-to guy. He's dominated in terms of like the yardage that you know he's he's had. He's when he left uh, the Vikings last season, I was a wee bit disappointed that we um, decided to let go of him. But Addison's come in and done a great job. But Thielen's gone into Carolina and he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely great. I think they signed him was it a three-year deal. I think they signed him to. Uh, but he's he's absolutely dominated in terms of targets so far. So if you're an Adam Thielen fantasy owner, you're, you're probably quite pleased from that point of view. Maybe not so much if you're like a, a DJ Chark uh, owner, for example. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, he's definitely, I think that, yeah, the, the Panthers have struggled. And, yeah, Bryce Young is going to take a little bit of time. Hopefully, he will get there. And the, the Panthers, I don't think they'll go winless. I don't think they're going to go the whole season winless. I just don't know if they're going to have enough this week to beat this Texans team. I think the Texans see this as an opportunity to go over the the point five mark as well. You know, they're um, you know three three and three at the moment. Is that right? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Three, three. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, plus um, I, I was looking as well. They're getting um, Tank Dell back this week. He was out last week with a concussion, mm-hmm. so they've got another weapon that they can use. Um, and he's already been distributing the ball really well. You know, guys like Nico Collins, uh, he's he's led the team with receptions. Um, I think it was uh, against the Saints, he got eighty yards, um, and he's he's already on five hundred and forty-seven for the season. So he's doing really really well. Um, and you've got guys like Robert Woods or Bobby Trees, as we like to call him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's still there and he, he gets first touchdown, I think, week six as well. So 
it's looking pretty good, I would say, from, from the Texans' point of view. Um, they've not... I don't know what you guys think of this, like on the ground side of things. Like I'm, I'm a Damon Pierce fantasy owner, and I've been a wee bit disappointed. Uh, his stats haven't been great, so I don't know if that's something that maybe maybe uh, has improved. But he's he's averaging only two two point nine yards a carry so far. And he's only had one touchdown, so that's maybe the yeah, one slight negative for the Texans. It's I don't know if that's um, maybe like a. I don't know if it's maybe like a kind of play calling thing almost because mm. what it reminds me of is, and obviously I'm going to be the Homer thing here, reminds me a bit of the Bengals last year when it was almost like every time a Russian play was coming, it was telegraphed because we set up mm. in the backfield differently because we never, you know, we never seemed to set up. Because like essentially any time you saw them set up with mixing, they are like waiting for the handoff for Burrow. Well, it was always going to be a handoff, and then we would end up with the two yards or like the you know three yards kind of you know nothing more than two point nine whatever it is Pierce's average, and yeah. so I don't know how much of it is maybe like from the little Texans I've seen it almost looks telegraphed yeah. kind of mm. thing. So maybe what they need to start doing is having more plays where they have him lining up there next to you know next to Bryce. Oh, sorry, next to C. I'm doing it as well, Dan. Next to, uh, <laughs> Next to CJ Stroud, kind of thing, and then it's maybe a little more disguised, like because he might run passing plays off that, and it makes yeah. it a bit harder for the opposition defensive coordinators. Because I feel like it's maybe that. Because who's their second running back? Is it Singletary? Am I right? Singletary. Yeah, what's his, yeah. I, I don't have yeah, the numbers yeah. up in front of me, and I'm in the car, but um, yeah, like what's his yards per carry? Because I know that he's been getting touted a bit in some of the fantasy circles in terms of maybe start buying in on him because he might be eating into Pierce's time with some of the stuff I've been seeing so, floating around. Like, looking at some stats here for you, so we say, so oh, just press the wrong button. So Damien Pierce has got 281 yards so far this season, right? To compare this, yeah. Jalen Hurts has got 274. Every single one of those, every single one, every single one of those Jalen Hurts things, it's one yard per carry. That's how many times he's been pushed from behind. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, just just one one yard at a time. Sneaking, yeah. sneaking across. As, as a number one running back, Pierce's his longest running is fifteen yards. So he's yeah. ninety-seven attempts, and he's only went he's only went for any more yeah. than fifteen yards. As a number one running back, that's yeah, he's, he's, yep. he's seen just volume in terms of attempts, but yeah, it's just it just doesn't yeah. seem to be working so far uh, for for yeah, somebody that they've invested a lot in. Yeah, so let's go, let's go back a wee bit to uh, CJ Stroud. So looking at his numbers so far this season, we all know about that uh, streaking on without the interception there. So 191 consecutive passes without an interception, which was which was ridiculous for a first year quarterback in the NFL did not I mean you've you've seen it in the past where these guys come in and they're still adjusting and they're, they're rushing passes or they're missing reads or they're still getting used to it. But to go yeah. 191 passes without that is that's that's some run. Um yeah. he starts so far this season uh, passing yards 1660 which is 10th in the league yards per attempt 7.8 which is fourth in the league mm-hmm. yards per completion which we're going to give his receivers a bit of Credit for this one because obviously going to get your yards after catch, thirteen point one, which is first in the league. Really? Uh, yes, his yards per completion is high. He's first in the Nicole league. Nico Collins, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, passer rating ninety six point four tenth. Pa- completion percentage though is thirty 
31st in the league. He's only completing just under 60% of his passes. Um, he's got nine touchdowns, which is tied 11th, and he's top of the league for interceptions and turnovers because he's only got that one. So, yeah. as a quarterback that's coming out of the league, and obviously there was a lot of, there was a bit of hype about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young coming in, but there's been quarterbacks that have come into the league before who were like, you are NFL ready, you will go now. I don't think they kind of got that treatment this year. I think they're like, yeah, you're good, you're the best, but the, the class wasn't maybe as good. So for somebody like him to come in and do as well as he has so far, Stu, is it a surprise or were we expecting this from him? I mean, I'm going to say for CJ Stroud, I don't actually think it is a surprise because if you remember right, like back before the draft, he was the one that they were talking about saying, you know, Bryce Young was kind of the, you know, once it settled down and the way into the draft was the consensus number one. But there were a lot of people for like the last kind of like three, four months before the draft pumping the CJ Stroud tyres in terms of going, he's maybe the most NFL ready. He might not have the highest like overall ceiling in terms of where he can get to potential wise, but there was a lot of people saying like, you know what, this guy is good. And he can come in and he can run an offense. And if the play calling's decent, he's not going to do anything stupid. And he also has enough, like, you know, of his own skill and own savvy that, you know, it's what we'll talk about. We like talking about systems quarterbacks a bit in this show, I've noticed. Um, but, you know, CJ Stroud is like a guy that he obviously, ha- you know, he's not a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes or a Jalen Hurts like, who can maybe like make a moment of magic or something like that. But, he knows his reads, he knows what to do, but he can also sometimes make that little bit of an extra throw kind of thing as well, or like put it, you know, he's putting that ball into tight windows and it's getting there. That's one of the reasons he's only got one turnover so far. But yeah, for me, I I wasn't actually that surprised. I mean, I'm surprised in the sense that he broke Warren Moon's record kind of thing, like, you know, that whole thing of passing him because uh, Warren Moon's a bit of a legend up here in Edmonton, um, kind of thing, and he was also a legend for the for Houston, who were, were talking about, so that's why it's kind of or sorry, yeah, they would have been the Tennessee Oilers, I guess, at the time and, um, but it's you know, for me, I, I wasn't that surprised with CJ Stroud being that good um, yeah. Bryce Young, on the other side though, like, I'm not surprised at where he is, but I also don't think he's actually been that you know, I don't think he's been that poor. He has shown flashes, and I do think he's going to get there. Like, I don't, I don't think we're anywhere close to going. Like, oh, this is a Johnny Manziel sized bust yeah. or whatever oh, in terms no, of no, first round quarterback not. selections. Like, I still think that was a, you know, Stroud was met definitely the most ready, but I can still totally see why Carolina took Bryce Young at number one overall, even going by the fact that they haven't won a game yet and. The play he's given them so far, I, you can see that he, he has the potential to, you know, excel. So yeah. we'll see that in the coming years. So just could, to talk about his, his stats, Sorry, Bryce Young's stats: uh, passing yards nine sixty-seven, which is thirtieth; yards per attempt five point three, tied thirty-first; per completion eight point four, tied thirty-first; passer rating seventy-eight point seven, which is twenty-ninth. Yeah, his completion percentage sixty-three percent. So a better completion percentage than. Yeah, Stroud, uh, TDs, he's got six, tied 22nd, interceptions four, tied seven. So, some of his stats are middle of the road, some of them are the back end of, yeah. of the meetings. But it's as you the said, supporting cat, it's the supporting cast, yeah, though, because it's like you, you really, as much as I love numbers, you sometimes need to go a bit beyond the numbers almost. And with Bryce Young, I kind of look at him and go, I can see the potential there. It's like I'm not looking up and going, like, there's 
there's not that many question marks about him. Like, and he clearly has the brain to put it all together. I think size was the worry, I guess. Like, that was the thing where some people knocked him for that a little. But even there, I mean, how, how many times has he been sacked or whatever as well? I, I guess I was that's just about to type that. Yeah. Um, that's one I'd be interested in is just to see like how much does he get knocked around and yeah like how many pressures is he seeing and yeah how, mu- how much time is he actually getting to make these pass decisions before getting yeah potentially taken out he's been sacked 16 times which is where in the league like or, is that an average uh, yeah I'm no 100% sure I've just pulled up his individual stats give me a second I'll, yeah. I'll get that I mean 16 16, 16 yeah <laughs> I was I was wondering just from a from a Carolina point of view and you know, Bryce Young coming in like could you imagine if if they still had like you're talking about supporting cast like if if they still had DJ Moore and they, even if they still had guys like McCaffrey there how unbelievable that Carolina Panthers team could potentially we'll get to him be. About, we'll get to him about later. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 I would be absolutely phenomenal if they had that and he was coming into that team with that talent. Yeah, and I do feel that the Carolina defence could, you know, that that's another bit where there's room to improve. Because, I mean, I do think they did try and do a good job of surrounding Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. With, like you say, Thielen's been, like, you know, he's been a standout. Like, he's been very yeah. good. And, you know, he's definitely shown he still has it. And then uh, a guy I know really well from last year with the Bengals that I actually think we really miss this year, Hayden Hurst. Um, just, you know, that tight end, like, who is able to, as much as he's a receiver, and a threat for touchdown, uh, touchdowns in the red zone, it's more the blocking kind of thing, you could, because he can do both. Like I think that he's going to be invaluable yeah. for Bryce Young as well. They are, okay. It's more guys that DJ Charts kind of struggled. Miles Sanders, he's really not impressed me at all. And uh, another another Edmonton local, actually, Chuba Hubbard, I feel it like has probably stolen his job now. Like Just with that oh. injury. Before the bye week, Chuba looked good like two weeks ago. Chuba, uh, he's, he's, average, he's he's done not too bad. He's he's four and a half yards per carry. Um, you had Miles Sanders, I think he's in three point one or something in comparison with that. And he's, he's got that shoulder injury as, as well, so you might yeah. see more of Chuba Hubbard. Um, like he looked all right against um Miami. That was yeah. the thing that like, the, the, the weird thing was that that game, the start of that game anyway, the, the Panthers looked really good. Like, I don't think yeah. anyone, anyone expected them to come out the way they did, take a take a fourteen point lead, um, and then they just totally fell apart. It, yeah, whatever, whatever clicked, I don't know. But I noticed as well, just I was reading up um, in the lead up to this week that um, the play calling duties, um, it's going to be Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, that's going to be calling the shots rather than Frank Reich. So yeah. I don't know if that will make much of a difference. But just when we're talking about how maybe the passing game is maybe a wee bit one-dimensional in terms of dealing seeing so much volume and that, that, yeah, the running game, maybe Chuba Hubbard takes a wee bit more of that, um, the, the running side of things. So... That, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what uh, see what happens. Yeah, Frank Wright came out and said that was always going to be the plan. It was just more a case of when they done yep. it rather than if they done it. It was always the plan. This season was once he felt they were comfortable in a position where he could hand over, then he would. So uh, I think that's why. You're <laughs> is that, is that like, point when they're zero six and they're like, yes. oh, shit. oh well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think that it makes sense though because it's like they're zero six. They're definitely out of it. Like even in terms of their division, so. Yeah. Hand over the reins because I I do think that probably I'm not I'm not going to call that being BS like you know Frank Wright's just saying that to kind of mm. save his blushes a wee bit or anything but yeah. I I think that's uh 
I think that's a fair point, and I think it's a very good plan because they may as well. They've got a young rookie quarterback, new offensive coordinator that's kind of because he came in this summer, didn't he, as well? So, like, you know, just let him drive the bus for the rest of the year, you know, mm. 11, 11 game addition now or whatever, like just to see how they can get on. Like, um, it's a whole different, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, we uh, just on that coaching part as well, like, how much do we feel the, the Houston Texans? improvements have been down to bringing in somebody that's been part of the the Kyle Shanahan Niners coaching tree because that's one thing mm-hmm. with Houston is we all talk about the Niners system and I know they've fell on hard times a little bit in the past few weeks but they're so consistent and they, they have such attention to detail and how much do we feel that the Houston, uh, the Texans have like adopted that kind of you know into their own kind of mentality and build yeah, I think I think I think it maybe me mentioned at some point in the off season or this season. Like, it's not just the the, the schemes that they've got the forty nine. It seems to be the discipline that they've yeah. got as well, and the organisation mm-hmm. of their system and their coaching. Everything is they have a structure, and it looks like Demico Ryan's took that to to Texans. So obviously he's going to put his own spin on the plays and everything like that. But he seems to have taken yeah. that structure and that what works behind the scenes at the forty nine to the extent. And he's put into it, which will be a massive because the Texans for the last couple of years have been a bit of a shambles in terms of nobody knows what's going on with them, really. And yeah. that's kind of giving them that structure. And I think that, as well as the coaching side of it, I think that'll be massive for them. Yeah, I, I'm trying to look at the stats as well. Like, just when you're talking about coaching and discipline, I, I was trying to see if I could pull them up. The Texans. They've, they've been really sensible. Like We've talked about the quarterback play being sensible but not giving things up. Again, from a coaching point of view, I'd be really interested to see have they improved in terms of you know, penalties they gave away, yardage that they're yeah. giving away, making themselves just more yeah. difficult to beat purely on the fact that they're not giving the opposition those free, those free hits, those free opportunities, um, and those, those bonus yards through just lack of discipline. So yeah, I've I've not got the stats up to Dan, but I'll, do, I'll definitely be taking a wee look because I th- I think you've got to give some coaching credit there as well. Um, and young you know young rookie quarterback coming in, settling into that kind of system and doing so well, you've seen in the past when a rookie quarterback comes in that's coached poorly and struggles, like somebody like Trevor Lawrence for example, who then gets a change of head coach. And all of a sudden, you can see how much as a as a player they improve, and how much as a team they improve. Um, I think it's a very similar story with the Texans. Uh, you know, from 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 top to bottom, they seem to be um, just a completely changed organization. Yeah, uh, the, the change is is remarkable. The change, you think a new head coach and a new quarterback suddenly they're they're a completely different team. It's just yep. simple changes like that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's been a good discussion about the two quarterbacks. Again, we flip over to the, the another guy from the first round uh, accompanied these two guys. So, Will Anderson, uh, yeah. he massive props coming out of the draft for him. We've all seen the, the moves that the Texans made to to get him uh, in the draft. So, just pulling up his stats so far this season, um, 16 tackles, 8 assisted tackles, 1 sack. Um, have you seen much in this season, guys? What's, how How's he looking, Craig? We see much of them. I've not seen huge amounts of them this season, in, in all honesty. But I'm just looking at the like defensive stats for the, the the Texans as well, and they are definitely like they've they're a difficult team to difficult team to beat. Um, they've not 
like in, in the season in the season so far, just looking at the games that the Texans have, have played so far, just gonna bring it up. Um just looking at the amount of points that they've given away. Yeah, just where you're looking up, Smudge, I was yeah. gonna say like for, for me on Anderson, I don't know if he's fully flashed yet. Because I mean like you're talking about that, it's like he, he was kind of you know first like defensive player taken off the board and you know why you know like you said like they did what they did to move up and that was like fantastic on draft night it was uh, very exciting and all that because I mean you're watching it I think we were both talking about it like during it but um, yeah he's not like you can see the potential and everything there but he's only got one sack on the year so far and he was kind of brought in to be like this kind of destroyer so I mean I don't know. I, I think you'll probably get it. It's one of these things. It's like I was saying with Bryce Young at the other side of the ball on Carolina. You can see he has the tools. You can see he has the makeup, and you know he's going to get there. And again, I think because he is part of that Texas system, he's going to learn. And I think by the end of this year, we're probably going to see it and probably kicking into the second half. I expect to see him getting more pressures, getting more tackles, getting more sacks. Because he'll be learning every single day in there, especially working uh, with Ryan's kind of thing. So it's because I mean he was defensive coordinator for the Niners as well. Yeah. So it's yeah, I think he he's definitely going to be worked into the scheme kind of thing, and uh, I think he's going to he's going to flash and be a bit better. But yeah, so far not quite what I expected to see from him though. Uh, his, his defensive experience. I mean, it, I was just looking up the stat. That was that, that's the one I was trying to find that. In the division, anyway, the 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 fewest points against in the in the division, yeah. the Texans, um, which has gone a long way because they're, they're they're not. When you look at the um, the Jags and the, the Colts as well, they're 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 outscoring in terms of the points for, so therefore they're going to have to be a difficult team to beat and not give away as many points. Um, so that's that's where hopefully, yeah, when they're investing in guys like Will Anderson as well, like you said, hopefully he will continue to grow. Um, and, and build on what you know he's he's yeah. done so far, and get more of those sacks, and you know, make make more of a contribution that way. And ha- having a having a head coach that's got you know that that kind of background is is ultimately going to help him with that. Yeah, looking at their stats, the Texans have only got thirteen sacks as a team this year. So, um, if Anderson's got one of those, it maybe hope to see a wee bit more from them. Just as you were the point you were making, Craig, about the points allowed. Uh, yeah, I'm just counting. I kind of see this number. My one, two, three, four, five, or six in the league for points yeah, allowed. Thirteen. So, so the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Chiefs, the 49ers and then the Texans in terms of points allowed. So their defense is obviously is obviously standing up for them and doing well. Um, yeah, I think that's that's been a great discussion we've had on this game, guys. Let's let's move on to predictions then. Smudge, you kind of gave yours away already, but we'll come back yeah. to you first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Texans on this one. Uh, I just I don't think that Carolina are, are going to have enough. I think just I think this is going to be a a really good opportunity for Stroud to yeah show the Panthers exactly what they missed out on. So yeah, I'm going for a Texans win. Stuart. Uh, I'm going to be completely boring and also go along with, I can't really see it being anything else other than a Texans win uh, this time as well. I think that the the defence is too strong in Carolina. They, they're not quite there yet, like on both sides of the ball. Um, and I feel like the Texans are going to have a fairly easy day of it. Yep, I'm going to make it a full house and we're going to curse the Texans here. That's a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but what I will say, I think we will maybe see Anderson stepping up this week. I'm going to go for Anderson getting at least two sacks in this game. Oh, okay. Make a note of that one, I've, I've not got anything right this season yet, so that's not chuck it out there, Dan. Chuck it out there. Lots of stuff like that, especially when it, especially when it comes up, you can go see. Exactly. I was right. <laughs> I can go when I was wrong. <laughs> anyway, guys, yeah, I think, I think, I think yeah, as we say, the Texans, I think, are going to be too strong here. Strouds started off the season so well, and I think, uh, as we've talked about, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, I've really stepped up this year for the Texans, uh, and. With what you guys mentioned, Thielen's the only one really doing it for the Panthers, which doesn't help their run getting a pass game. So, yeah, let's all, let's go with Texans on this one, guys. Okay, yeah. let's flip ourselves across to the East Coast for this one. Ooh. We have New Jersey at New Jersey. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> the New Jersey classic, love it. <laughs> so it's the Jets at the Giants, um, and there's only one place we can start this conversation, uh, and and it's with the Giants. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to seem to be biased and sticking the knife into the Giants, uh, but what is going on with the Giants this season? I don't think we've really spoken about them much this season yet, have we, in any of the pods? Um, mm, no, I don't think we've done much of a deep dive into the Giants yeah, so we, far. We've, um, we've had a f- we've had a few uh, on the review show. Like I know we've had a, after some of the games, we've had a few discussions about issues shall we say yeah. with the g-men <laughs> so, i mean it, it, it probably feels a bit harsh that we're actually coming after them after they've won a game <laughs> to be fair but yeah but they won against washington who are like the most jekyll and hyde team in the nfl you, you just you don't know what washington team are going to show up and it was it was yeah. the terrible washington team not the not the gutsy um you know Going into overtime against um, Eagles, Washington. This this was yeah. the completely fall apart against the Bears, Washington. Like it was, it was that kind of Washington we saw. This, this was the, uh, the Washington <laughs> that has somehow sacked forty times this season already. Yes, That's the Washington yeah. that up against the Giants yeah. last week, and and they beat them fourteen seven. So again, it's not like they you know they didn't do a Miami and stick seventy points on the board against them. Um, it's good. It's good that they won. Let's let's be honest. So, the Giants won. They broke their losing streak. And shout out to Murdo who flew all the way over there to to witness it in yeah. person. Um, our mate Murdo, the the Giants Giants fanatic. Um, he, had, he had a brilliant time by by all by all accounts. It looked amazing. I was going to um, say, tell you what though, like every time um, one of the group flies over from Scotland to go see a game in the states. Yeah. They seem to go to like the lowest scoring match possible. <laughs> so remember yeah. the stud was the most the boring game. game. It was nine three or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, they must be like they guys up in Scotland they're coming over. We'll give them a soccer score instead of an NFL score. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, no, it's going to seem a bit strange here, but I'm I'm still going to stick the knife in, but I am also going to jump to the Giants defense for a second here. All right. So this season they have lost to the Cowboys. They've lost to the 49ers, they've lost to the Seahawks, they've lost to the Dolphins, and they've lost to the Bills. Did anybody realistically mm. expect me to win any of those games? Giants fans. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> Optimistic Giants. When you when you rhyme those teams off, though, you're you're right. Those are those are some very, very yeah. strong teams that, that, that they've been playing against. And 
you would probably say no, you wouldn't have expected them to win. You would just hope that they would compete. You'd, you know, yeah, take, you'd take them to the... Win. You'd hope they'd win at least one of those games, like maybe one or two kind of thing, because it's... Mm. Um, but yeah, like, like when you lay it out like that, you go, okay, who have they lost to? All those teams were... Um, yeah, they were all playoff teams. Like, Miami were a playoff team last yeah. year. Well, they, or did they just miss it? I can't remember now. Um, I feel like... But anyway, they're all... They're all good teams this year again anyway, is the, <laughs> the main point. Yeah. And they're like usually towards the top of the power rankings, shall mm. we say. Whereas the G Men, yeah, they were they were good last year. Like clearly they were, you know, um, you know, uh, thing you got it's a gabble, uh, what if I forgot his name, head coach. I can see his name. Brian Dable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he won coach of the year last year or whatever as well. So like you know, they were pretty much... People were looking at them going, okay, they're going into this year. They've paid dimes. They should be kicking on. They've assembled their many parted wide receiver core where they seem to just sign anybody and everybody. And they thought, like, <laughs> yeah, turn into... Like, we'll, we'll find three good ones out of these nine that we have and hopefully that'll work out. And <laughs> It doesn't seem to have happened. Um, I mean, they do have Waller, like, in... Yeah, yeah, he's come off his best game of the season. Um, yep. He's, yep. With Tyrod yeah, Taylor. With Tyrod Taylor, who's who's looked pretty decent as well. I mean, it's, it's a weird one because Daniel Jones last year, when, when Dable took over and Daniel Jones, in that season last year, he made Daniel Jones look amazing. That yep. Daniel Jones, I remember the Giants game against the Vikings and Jones just ran and ran and ran and he was he was outstanding that night. Yeah. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, do you think that the Giants, yeah, I think they did exceed expectations last season. They just, the hope was that they would kick on from that. Um, yeah. And maybe maybe now we're seeing really where they perhaps all along maybe should have been. Like yeah. they have they have some talent there. There's no mistaking. Like Saquon Barkley is their offense. Uh, they, they basically run the rock with him as much as possible. Uh, and when he is injury free, he, he's he's incredible, uh, and that you know he's that kind of game changer that they need. Daniel Jones hasn't looked the same as the the Daniel Jones that was playing last yeah. season, and Tyrod Taylor coming in, he has looked better. Um, whether that continues, because Taylor's one of these kind of quarterbacks as well. That's he's done this in the past. He's come in for for previous teams and looked good, and then. Kind of, you know, gone from a coach back in a pumpkin again. Yeah. I mean, we, we spoke about this before we came on, Craig. We were a quick chat and we're talking about Daniel Jones and we're saying Daniel Jones did he, he done well last season? Did he exceed the expectations? Is it Daniel Jones we're now seeing this season? The Daniel Jones we all thought we were going to see last season. Yeah. We weren't expecting a lot from him last season. We're like, well, this guy, he's playing well this year. Are we now seeing the limitations to Daniel Jones too? What do you think? I mean, I think so. Or I think maybe it's it's also partly that, like Smudger, you touched on it when you said that he was made to look, like that system last year worked perfectly for him and everything went well. Whereas this year, you've got a year of game tape. So opposing mm-hmm. coaches and defensive coaches can look at it and go, okay, here's how we can work around what they're doing with Daniel Jones and here's how we can get in his head and here's how we can affect him. I feel like that's maybe what's starting to happen with him. Um, the good thing for them is, I know obviously he got paid a decent whack of money, 
but that contract looks fairly easy to get out from under as well. So I do feel it in the way it was structured, they do have a get out clause. And I mean, like, oh, let's be honest, like, I'm not, I don't want to actually completely crap on him because. I'm not going to say he's going to be, you know, I'm not trying to say he'll ever be in that kind of Mahomes, Hearts, Borough, Lawrence, like, you know, in the upper echelons of the league quarterback thing. But he should be able to have them ticking along, like, you know, long enough. But the G-men are going to need to find a better way of asserting themselves on offense and letting them do what he was doing last year again. So that's a, a tactical thing and a coaching thing. So... I don't know whether they can bring that back again. That's the thing. Um, I think a fair comparison, and that maybe this is me. Just I don't know if I'm right or wrong here. I think Daniel Jones and Geno Smith are, are probably equal in terms of talent and what they can do. But you can see the difference when <clears throat> one of them gets a scheme that's working for them. I mean, I think Geno Smith has also suffered though from that year of game tape that you mentioned, Stu, where he was really good last year. But teams seem to be know how to play against him, but he's yep. still he's still doing enough, and he's still. Yeah, I mean, they're not setting the the hell on fire, do you know what I mean? But they're still mm. competitive and they're still doing okay, whereas the Giants just aren't being competitive at all, which is, is the issue. Um, yeah. They're, yeah. They're not they're not exactly electric on offence. And say so that game last week, okay, they won, but it was yeah, 14 points. Uh, Taylor, um, like it looks like Jones, he's not cleared um, for contacts. It's looking pretty likely that it's going to be Taylor again by the, by the weekend um, he's not got the best of opponents up against him looking at the Jets the Jets the one thing they've done really well this year is turnovers they've got 13 turnovers in the uh, the season so far so Taylor's going to have to be really really careful about what he does with the ball as well he's not going to be wanting to take those risks um, potentially causing those turnovers making ambitious throws that's where I think the, the, the Giants have to just rein it in a bit and be be that little bit more sensible. And if, if they can lean on guys like Saquon, if they want to perhaps use the, the tight end safety valve and Darren Waller, that's the kind of strategy that's probably going to work best against the Jets. Yeah. Because the Jets, I think talent-wise and depth-wise, they've got loads of guys coming back as well. Um, like Sauce Gardner's looking like he'll be back from that concussion. He, he had a full practice this week, so that's good news for them. Um, their other cornerback, DJ Reed as well, he had a concussion, also yeah. going to be back, logged a full practice. So they're going to be up against some really talented guys in, in, in that secondary. So it's going to be really tough, really going to be a big ask, I think. And for for, for me, it's it's a Jets yeah, it's a Jets win rather than a Giants win in this one, I would say. So somebody's mentioned there with Dar- Darren Waller. So I think the preview of the season, Gav, was saying Darren Walls, he needs to be the guy that steps up this year. He needs to, he is effectively the number one receiver because the Giants just don't have anything outside at all. Um, looking at his stats this season so far, uh, he's been targeted 49 times, received uh, and he's caught 35. So I'm just looking at that. So Daniel Jones just threw 151 passes this season, and a third of them have went to Darren Waller. Uh, he's got yeah. he's only three hundred and eighty yards, so he's still averaging nearly eleven yards a catch, but he's only got that one touchdown. So he really hasn't stepped up to be the receiver that the Giants need. But is that down to him, or is that down to his play calling, is that down to his quarterback? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I need to. I'm sure I read the start somewhere that the only two players, the other only other two tight ends, 
that have had more yards than him were Kelsey and I'm trying to think who the other tight end was. But it was it was it was like a ridiculous stat. Like he's 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 right up there um, in terms of the the amount of yards that he's uh, that he's been getting. Um, I can't find them in a second. I was trying to get them. I can't kind of see a pretty good tight end. You can always get receiving yards. Um, yeah. So, but from only have one touchdown at this start, this stage of the seasons. Is, is not what the Giants need. They need him to be the guy that is getting in the end zone and uh, doing the job for him. So do you think last week we're going to start to see what he can do? Or, uh, I mean, to be fair, looking at the stats, Daniel Jones has only thrown for two touchdowns this season. Yeah, so he's got nothing. Was... <laughs> well, he's not, because it wasn't even Daniel Jones that threw him the touchdown. No, it was Tyrod uh, Taylor, you're right. <laughs> there you go. It was Kelsey and Hawkinson. They're the yeah, only right. other two tight ends that have been more yeah. yards than Waller this season. How could you forget? I don't. I couldn't remember what tight end it was. I was just like, I was, was thinking. Like going... Yeah. <laughs> have you got the numbers there, Craig, for the two of them? In terms of the yards. No, I've, I've not got. I've not got the numbers. Just, uh, I just, I saw it as a wee, a wee snippet. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a brilliant wee nugget. But that's it. Waller the baller. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, just, just to answer your question, Dan, like in terms of him kicking on, like. Yeah, Darren Waller is undoubtedly talented, but I mean, he managed it and, you know, he was a huge guy for the Raiders for the last few years. Even when he was banged up, like, he was probably their best receiver until they got Devontae Adams. And he was doing that with Derek Carr. And now he's went to the G-Men. Um, and again, he's still, like, you know, going, I know his numbers aren't particularly massive, but they're still pretty decent. And if he's the third best, like, you know, in terms of yards, maybe not touchdowns. If he's still like third top in the yards for tight end like receptions, that's pretty good kind of thing. So, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's more down to will he step up in touchdowns? That's more down to can the G men get into the red zone more mm, often? Yeah. Like, you know, he's getting those first downs and he's getting them up the field a bit with our Darren Waller is, but um, yeah. it's more once they hit the red zone. I think the G men are kind of grinding out to a halt there and. We see that with the win last week, 14-7. It's a low-scoring game. They're clearly not, you know, they just don't have the high-powered offense. And what happens in the red zone is it's a bit easier to clog up and stop Darren Waller. Like, you know, if you're able to, like, okay, cool, let's just double-team him because he's probably the guy they're going to go to because he's a big body. um, I would expect him to end the season with more than, you know, two or maybe three, whatever pace he's on. For touchdowns, I'd still say he's probably going to uptick. You know, he's get, we're going to see an uptake or an uptick in uh, in touchdowns. But yard wise, I think he'll just keep doing what he's doing, and that's pretty decent by the sounds of it. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to they take are, they are the lowest, lowest scoring Sorry. team in the NFL. By the way, eighty five. Yeah. It's, it's actually not even close. <laughs> I mean, it's like they are they are rock bottom as far as boys go. And again, I say I think they're the only team on. Two-figure yardage, actually. Sorry, two-figure points, not yardage. Um, yeah, they're the only one still in two figures in the entire NFL. So that that mm. basically tells you all you need to know when it comes to scoring points. Well, we looked at we looked at them the other week, and they were bottom for net points. I'm going to assume they're going to still be no far off that. Yeah, still yeah. still bottom by a considerable margin. But yeah, even with yeah. a win, even by a win with a or with a win by a score, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say, Smudger, they've only scored 85 points so far this season. Yep, 
Pussy's second. You've got the Bucks on 103. I think you've got the Pats on 101. But, oh, the Bengals are Oh, God. Stu, the Bengals are on 100. Sorry, we'll get to that. Don't <laughs> <laughs> worry. But yeah, they really need to stop the, the ball going the other way as well, which is, I mean, obviously they got off to a shock at a start against us um, with that big loss in the first week. But um, what, let's see, what are they in terms of points against? I mean, they're middle of the top 10, they're about points mm. against. So it's not yeah. that they obviously had that one big loss, but if you take that out of the equation, they're probably sitting in the middle of the pack in terms of they can't put points in the higher issues, they cannot score. And mm. they're getting they get if they ever do get to the red zone. Teams just go fine. Barkley's going to be running it, and Waller's the target, so they just keep that. Yeah, and that's the thing it. is as well. Sorry, Sue. I'm going to say the thing oh, is, no, no, this, is this is this is a team that's not had the bye week as well. So I mean, yeah. this, this is a team that's that's how bad the scoring situation is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really really poor. Yeah, yeah. I think it's they've got a long way to go to turn it around, and I think to be honest, we could sit here all night and talk about the Giants and how they could turn that round, but I think Keith might. Come on and cut us off if we do that. <laughs> so we better <laughs> flip over to the other side of MetLife Stadium. Uh, the Jets, what have we made so far? Obviously, we know the, the, high, the headlines at the start of the season. We are in Rogers going out and stuff like that. How has Zach Wilson came in and how, how has the team performed without Aaron Rodgers? And with, the hype just kind of went away and they seem to not be in the spotlight as much anymore because... Of Aaron Rodgers not being playing, has that helped him? Do you think, Stu? I think it's probably helped Zach Wilson a little bit because, like, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but like, what I have seen from him as the seasons went on is he's, he seems to be trusting his own abilities a little bit more, and he's also the play calling has obviously been completely simplified yeah. and brought down. But he's he's not like trying to do too much anymore. He's started to learn to trust the guys round about him because I think the Zach Wilson Jets that they had previously the last few years, they didn't really have that much to help him. Whereas the guys they brought in for Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, okay, I get it. It was we all laughed because it was the twenty fifteen or sixteen Green Bay Packers, like for a lot <laughs> of them, you know, Brees Hall and those other guys. But those guys they brought in are experienced and they're used to working in an offence that goes to the playoffs. So I feel like he's now got to the stage where he can lean on the guys round about him and know that it's maybe not all on him. Whereas the Jets previously, I feel like even from their coaching standpoint, until they had Salah, a lot of it was just, well, you're the quarterback, so we've drafted you. Get out there and watch some magic, boy. Like, you know, that was their, their whole stance with Zach Wilson. Whereas this year he's learned, like, okay, cool. I was to learn from Aaron Rodgers. That's not quite happened. He's still learning from him because like, I think they're still talking and everything. Yeah, but yeah. it's now uh, you have this offense that's actually kind of useful to run and the defense is still there to shore things up on yeah. the other side. So, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's been outstanding or lights out good or anything, but I think with the pressure being off where Aaron Rodgers not, you know, I mean, not, not the pressure's completely off, but... I feel like he's maybe learned to trust himself a little more, and maybe he's been doing like the darkness retreats and stuff like that with Aaron Rodgers, and he's just learned to be a little more zen and a little more calm. And, yeah, you know, I, I think I, you're spot on, absolutely yeah. spot on. So I, I think the Rodgers effect 
on that team and on on him as a quarterback can't can't be underestimated. I think last season you, you nailed it that there was probably a lot of this pressure put on him coming into the Jets and what you know his what the expectations were. And I think Rogers coming in during the off season, all the attention was put on him. And it maybe gave him a chance to just take that little bit step back out of the limelight. He's got somebody there to learn from. Now, okay, Rogers then has his has his injury, does the Achilles, and has had to take take a step back. But like you say, he's still there. He's in the building week in, week out. He's looking at the tapes, he's given that advice to him. And the talent that has been brought in to help Rogers has now undoubtedly been to the benefit of Wilson. Um, yep. So that all these things combined, yeah, I to- totally agree. I think that that has really benefited him. And I think because of the, the Rodgers injury so early on in the season and because that completely changed the expectations of what the Jets were going to do, in a weird way, again, it takes the pressure off him because nobody's expecting him to come in and be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. But... He's come in to, as I say, better weapons, uh, a system that's been built for Rodgers, but naturally he's come in and, and, yeah, probably just trusting in his own ability, like you say, Stu. Yeah. I think a point as well, I think I think this was very clever from Aaron Rodgers and, and it shows his experience. When And I think it took a lot of pressure off Zach Wilson. I remember when, it, when he got injured, I don't know if it was when he got injured, in fact, it was before he got injured, and he said, look, I'm here for a year or two, and then Zach Wilson is the future franchise quarterback of this organisation. So mm. he basically gave Zach Wilson that confidence uh, boost to say, look, yeah, I'm here, but you are the future of this organisation. And yeah. just something yeah. as simple as that, and what you say, I'm learning from Rodgers, and even just Rodgers, he's maybe just giving them wee pointers here and there. That's going to make a massive difference to someone like Zach Wilson, who probably confidence was shot to pieces, and potentially was wondering where's my NFL career going? He's a completely yeah. different player this year. With like you say, Rogers is there. He's in the building. He might not be playing, but you can see the impact he's having on Zach Wilson. Yeah, even if he's just winning the like winning the locker room as well. I mean, there was all the the kind of controversy last year, like what he yeah. said in the media during the interviews, and you know what what his teammates around him were you know showing in terms of what what t-shirts they were wearing and all that kind of daft stuff. It's yeah. hopefully something that you can kind of put behind them and moving forward is is a completely different player to the, the, the kind of rookie that we saw last year. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely been a big stepping stone for him. Yeah, 100% I, agree. I, I think that whole, um, the organisation as a whole has taken big leaps the last few years because the Jets, let's face it, for a long time, like apart from... I guess that kind of period, like uh, like two thousand to two thousand eight, nine or ten, like kind of in there when they had Sanchez, and I know everybody likes to laugh about the butt fumble, but that Jets team, like they were tough for like to play against, and I like even the Patriots. I don't think they, you know, they like to beat them, but I don't think they enjoyed playing them um, as well, just because they were a good team. And I think if the Patriots weren't in their division, they might have had a chance at winning a. You know, Super Bowl back then as well, but after that, I feel like the Jets just descended into disarray for a good decade or so. Yeah. And this is as we're finally seeing in the last two years, they've come out the other side of it. And that stuff last year with Wilson, I realised some of that he brought on himself. I didn't really like that because I was kind of a bit like, oh, they're still fractured. Mm. And I think you can see they're still, you know, 
problems in the locker room or whatever if you've got guys running around with shirts on going like you know um, <laughs> the uh, Mike you know, White ones. <laughs> yeah the Mike White ones, which again nothing against Mike White but Wilson definitely as a guy who should have more potential than him but Wilson was acting like a cocky little poop yeah part of the problem but I feel like the Jets have even with this Aaron Rodgers thing it's almost been like a rallying call as well but they're the structure and stuff they have around about them it's like they've been able to go you know what we pulled together this time instead of doing what we've been doing for the last decade or 15 years when something goes wrong we just tumble like a you know a whole kind of house of cards coming flying down or whatever but yeah so i, I think it's been you know it's obviously not good because like you look at them and you go you know what if they had aaron Rodgers, maybe they would be super bowl contenders and maybe all the hype in the summer was right because I don't know with Wilson whether they can win a Super Bowl this year. But they're showing that that team does have potential. And I think it could be a growth point for them next year. But... Yeah. Well, looking at their schedule so far this season, this is a team that has beat the Bills and has beat the Eagles. Yep. So they're 3-3, three three, yep. but they're, they're three wins. They beat the Bills, they beat the Eagles, they beat the Broncos. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. The Chiefs only beat them by three. Broncos. Cowboys blew them out, uh, and, the, and the Patriots beat them in a, in a five-point game. So, with, apart from the Cowboys game, they've been in every game so far and have beat the Jets, uh, beat the Eagles, and the Bills. So, and that is without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he lasted what six snaps or something. So, yep. yeah, <laughs> but they're showing that they can win big games. And that can only be a good thing for them. I mean, they're just unfortunate they're in this division with the Dolphins, right, which who I, we all expect to run away with, with the AFC each. But is that setting spot up for grabs? The Bills aren't the Bills. We've, we've spoken about that. Yeah. Can they get a setting spot in that division? Mm. Who wants to take it? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not 100% certain because... Okay, like you look at that division, the Dolphins are still top five and two. The Dolphins have like they've shown they can score points. They can score points for fun. We all know that, but we also know they're capable of losing games. The Bills haven't really been the Bills we've expected them to be, but I can't. I just I can't see the Jets getting into the mix in that division. I just I I, I don't know if I see it. I think I think the Bills and the Dolphins have got too much still. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, but I, I think both of those teams are, are definitely going to finish above them in that division. I think I think they'll finish third. Um, I, I don't I don't think the for all that the other parts have shown some signs of life in in, in recent weeks. I'm just not 100 percent convinced that that's that's going to happen this season. But uh, for me, it's it's still Bills and Dolphins in that division. For yeah, I, I'll counter that and I'll say, do you know what? Ooh. I think the Jets can come second because the Bills, they're still, ever since the, the game against us last year and what happened in the playoffs, they still look discombobulated. There's like something hmm. weird going on and, you know, Hurts is still Hurts and Diggs is there, but I think all things considered, I I think when it gets down to it, I look at the Jets and I just see a team that is becoming more consistent. Like you just said there, Dan, apart from the Cowboys game, however, like most of it, they're in it like, you know, it's been one score, like three points, <laughs> kind of losses like that, where they're in every single game. Whereas the Bills, I don't know. I always, like, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, they're all world. 
And then other weeks you just go, nah, they could lose. Kind of thing. The Dolphins are going to win the division for sure. Um, but I think the Jets, I'm not saying they will, but they definitely could win the, or not win the division. They could come second. Yeah. Will that be enough to make the playoffs? Will that be enough to make the playoffs? I don't know because I feel like there might be one of the other divisions or a couple of the divisions that have three mm. teams. Yeah. So, but I could see them come second. And if the Jets come second in the division, like what a building block to have going into next year. Yeah. Looking yeah, at the Jets' schedule for the rest of the season, sorry, I'll come back in a second. So, they play the Giants obviously this week, then they've got the Chargers the week after. Uh, I'm not going to go through them all, but games that you would say are risky for them between the end of the season. They've got the Bills, and they've got the Dolphins twice, and, well, the Patriots, but we know the Patriots already yeah. beat them, but that's the last game of the season, I think, the way Patriots are going, that's not a risky one. So, of all the games I've got left, at least half of them are winnable. If they could finish round about where we were talking, 9-8, and eight, it's, yeah. it's going to be close between them and the Bills. Yeah, because I mean, who? Because I imagine that just by the whole strength of schedule thing, the way it works for the next season, um, you don't need to go into detail with it. But I imagine that the Bills have a far harder, like, row to hoe than the mm. Jets do the rest of the year. So I don't know. Maybe the Jets do make the play. Maybe they go ten and seven. Like, what a story that would be. Like, you know, it'd be great. Like, they'd be a one and done team. I will. I will go out there and say that. But imagine they make it. To the playoffs and imagine the G-Men just abysmally crash and burn like how <laughs> how it would change to being a green town can you imagine the Jets being in the playoffs and the Giants and the Patriots being the number two and number three pick in the draft that would, would, the, the head would just explode so just quickly to touch on the Bills schedule so you get the Bucks the Bengals again two tough games they should beat the Broncos and then it gets tough. Uh, Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, and they finish with the Dolphins. That's mm. a tough second half of the season for the Bills. So I'm going to go with you this one soon. I think that I think the Jets, if they can keep doing what they're doing and staying consistent and not yeah. making mistakes and basically hanging in games, you've seen it against the Eagles. They just hung in there and hung in there and then took their opportunity. Yeah, if they can keep doing that. I think they can get the second. Well, you say it becomes a playoff thing. Depends depends on other games, that, uh, yeah. divisions. But yeah, uh, yeah, right. I think we better move on. We're at an hour already. Have <laughs> <laughs> we even had the Bengals game yet? <laughs> 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 moving on. Right. We're moving on. I know Keith will be on the, the chat saying hurry up, guys. So right, quickly, predictions, Craig. Ah, uh, yeah, Jets. Jets win. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring classic. I think it's going to be a, a low-scoring affair. I think that's safe to say. But yeah, Jets are going to win this. Yeah, I think Jets are winning this. Uh, I'm going to say the Jets win it by like uh, more than a score. I think ten or eleven points. Uh, and I, I feel like the defense for the Jets is getting. You know, I think they're getting a pick six. Go out there, stick out of the bookies. There you go, five or <laughs> one pick six. Why yeah, not? I, I, I was going to go the same sort of margin. I think I think they keep the Giants to one score. I don't think the Giants, you know, maybe a couple of field goals. I think they keep, they keep the Giants to no more than a touchdown, so no more than seven points. And I think the Jets a couple, I think. I'm going to go about 20, 20 21, seven. That's what I'm going to go for the Jets. Yeah, that's, yeah I feel roughly in that, that zone. 21, 10 was what I had. 
Yeah. Uh, right, let's move on. Stu, I'm not going to give this a game any build-up. I'm not going to give this game an introduction. <laughs> I'm going to let you do it all. Okay, well, Take let's... Oh, sorry, okay, do you know but... what? I'm actually... Sorry, I forgot I have something. I am going to give this game the curse. I have given every game for the last three weeks on the preview crew. This is game of the week, surely. Cuss <laughs> <laughs> that again. You know what? Do you know what? No, it's it's game of it, and I'll get into this. I mean, I'm not going to mess around and go into huge backstories then, because you're right, Keith will be murdering us. But it's going to be game of the week if my man on the opposition team. Um, and I, I think I've turned into a total Niners fanboy because I've been going on about like the, you know, DeMarco Ryan's. I didn't even go into how I, I held myself back with Salah going, he came from the Niners system as well, you know, or whatever. But there you go, I've done it now. Um, if my man that I love on the uh, the other side of the ball from the other coast, if Brock Purdy can clear concussion protocol and make the game, then I think it's game of the week. If he doesn't play and it's Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll look out. Ex New York Jets, ex Carolina Panther, Sam Darnold. Like, uh, look out. <laughs> if Sam Darnold plays, it's week, it's game of the week. If you're a Bengals fan, yeah, or yes. totally. Like, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be less worried. I mean, the Niners are still the Niners, so I'll be less worried if it's Sam Darnold. I'll put it that way. But. No, like, looking at it on, on paper, and I mean, it's one of these things where, see if you'd asked me two weeks ago about this game, the Bengals going up, like, you know, going to face the Niners, I would be saying, even, you know, us having the bye and Joe Burrow coming out of it and possibly being healthier and T Higgins' ribs being better, like, both of them are full participants now in practice, like, they're good to go. Um, they're not on the injury report at all. So I would have looked at it and went, even with those guys coming back, the Niners are going to absolutely shellack us because they were playing so well for the first five games of the season. And then since I started bigging up the Niners about <laughs> three, four weeks ago, what's happened? <laughs> they've started. Well, what what, what started, has like, happened, Stu? What has happened? What, what happened so to what the 49ers last weekend? The crew have crossed the Niners and the Lions, is what you're saying? I know. Yeah. <laughs> the Lions, they're another. I love the Lions too. They're another. Like, I like pumping up. It's you and me, Dan. I think it's I us. So, so, who are we cursing next? So, I mean, well, I'm probably going to try and curse the Niners in a bit here anyway, like just to curse them <laughs> some more for this week. But no, like, honestly, if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, I would have been going, yeah, we're going to get completely destroyed. It's going to be like 33-7 or 33-10. Like, we're going to get blown out. Doesn't matter how good our defence has been playing. Our offence, as you alluded to earlier, Smudger, has not exactly been putting many points on the board. Um, so I would have just said, yeah, the Niners are going to crush us. But after the last few weeks, and as much as I've been going on and on and on about this vaunted Niners system and how good it is, I feel like, you know, some cracks have started to appear. Yeah, uh, yep. you, you know, you boys, you beat them the other night. and um, Certainly did. Certainly I know did. that, you know, obviously the Niners, they did have injuries and there's things going on, but we can't take anything away from primetime Kirk and what he did to them in his favourite time of day, like in prime time. So, mm -hmm. you know, you watch them pick that de uh, the defence apart. And with the Niners, like, where they, like the one place I would say they struggle, and even when they were doing well earlier in the season, I was looking at them going, they need to get help uh, at cornerback, possibly at safety, because where they seem to be giving things up is like just in that passing game. Like the run defence is good. The pass rush 
uh, our pass rush in, the- in theory is good because obviously our Bosa, um, but they've not quite been getting home as often as the Niners' defense was last year. Yeah, uh, and I think that was almost summed up. Like not to keep talking about the Vikings game, but there was a. Do you remember the last? <laughs> remember the I, last? I was going to say. I was going to say, were you going to talk about um, the, the Niners' defense? And you're saying that they haven't they haven't performed and they need some better maybe cornerbacks or uh, a defense that can hold on to the ball. I don't know if you saw Addison's uh, touchdown run. Oh, <laughs> where I, they basically took away from one. They need they need the cornerbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ward done that for his first interception. He ripped. It. I don't know. I can't remember which. Who was it? It was Addison. Was it Addison? Yeah. Ward took it away from. Yeah, I think it's because it's. I just didn't lost that interception and then he ripped it back yeah. and like uh, a vengeance. Well, yeah, next drive he was like, nah, screw you guys. Like, I'm doing what you did to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, what, what I was going to say was that final drive, uh, the, the Vikings, when they, you know, they went up to kind of get the points that would win them the game. I don't know if you remember, there was part of it where the, the, the Niners pass rush came in and the pocket collapsed. And I honestly couldn't believe, like, oh, I just saw it and you saw Bosa getting free. You know, he's kind of like pushing a guy, gets out of the way, and you saw like the, all the purple kind of just everything converged. And I thought, oh, they're screwed. But it seemed to be in there for about two or three, or maybe not three seconds, but like one or two seconds. And all of a sudden, the ball somehow flies out. <laughs> yeah, they get a first down. And it's just yeah. like, how did Cousins get that out? And then you see the the replay, and it was almost as if Bosa got free in there, and then kind of went. Who's Kirk Cousins? You know, he couldn't tell which one of the Vikings was because he had him and then he looked at the wrong guy and then yeah. you know, he, he passed it on and they got out of it. And then obviously, he'll go one. But anywho, my, my point is is that for the Bengals, as much as our offense hasn't been great, Burrow has had that extra week to get healthy, and uh, Higgins is now also healthy as well. So um, I expect our wide receivers to be a lot better. And that is the one area that the Niners' defence especially struggles in. I think like when I was looking at the, the stats before this game, like they are 90, I think they're, yeah, what they're looking at, they're 19th, or they're tied for 19th in terms of their like, uh, defence against wide receivers in the league. That's tied with the, that's tied with the Steelers. Um and the Steelers our Steelers defense is pretty good, but again, um, you know, it's like they're giving stuff up to wide receivers because they're giving up like I think it's uh, I had that there for the yards. It's like they're giving up about thanks twelve point three yards per reception. They are so it's like they're nineteenth in the league for that, so twelfth or yeah, thirteenth worst, I guess you'd look at it that way. Um on the other side, where the Niners are still gonna be doing really well though, and somewhere where the the Bengals struggle a bit is uh, the run run game and McCaffrey has been a full participant in practice this week so as much as he has that shoulder injury going on doesn't seem to be slowing him down and even after that Mason looks pretty good so from that side of things I think the Niners even with Sam Darnold they're obviously going to be leaning on McCaffrey a lot Um, and for the Bengals that's obviously one area we struggle is we give up a lot of yards to the run the reverse to that, though, is that we are fourth, I think, fourth best in the league in terms of rushing touchdowns allowed. We seem to be doing this thing where we let people get up the field and then once we get into the red zone, it's the bend, not break thing, like where we seem to be able to stop guys actually getting home. And that's what's been keeping us in games, like at this end. Like, we're not like the jet. Like, so you're saying, Stu, this, this is going to be the game that Christian McCaffrey finally does he score a touchdown in? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going with this. But at the same time, though, I think he's going to put up a lot of yards. Um, no, like, like overall, though, well, you know, game of the week, though, just going back to what you were saying earlier about that, Dan, um, he, it could be, but it's really dependent on Brock Pudley playing because, you know, I, again, looking at my numbers here, we're looking at Sam Darnold's and, and uh, you know, I wrote down here before this, like his career passer rate is 78.2. His uh, completion rate in his whole career is 59.7%. And he's throwing 61 touchdowns and 55 interceptions. So the guy's not really exactly Mr. Lights Out. Joe Burrow, on the other hand, and I'll just give you, this is his alone this year, which we'll all agree that due to injury, this has been Joe Burrow's worst year by far. He's been oh, yeah. terrible. Um, and that, these numbers aren't good either because it's from this year. So like I said there, Darnold's career passer rate is 78.2. Burrow this year alone, 79.8. Not great, but slightly better. Is a touchdown to interception ratio seven to four, so that's almost two to one. He's getting back there, so he is getting better. Like you know, it's obviously way down on it because I think he's like three or four to one in his career so far. And then his completion ratio, like our like our completion rate, even in a bad year for Joe Burrow, sixty three point four percent kind of thing. So and like I said with Darnold, it's fifty nine point seven. So to me, I'm like even an injured Joe Burrow is much better than what he would be facing if it was Sam Darnold. But as we've spoke about with Brock Purdy many times, he has one of the best completion rates in the league. So if he's in, it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good game. We'll put it that way. Well, let's just cover that off right now. Brock Purdy is practicing today. He's not cleared protocol yet, but he is practicing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So that that to me That's seems a good like sign. That. Trend uh, a good sign yeah. for the game of the week, but not a good sign if you're a Bengals fan. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just I love the game, so yeah, I, I, mean, I, yeah, I, I would always rather be playing teams at their best. Yeah. So I hope that Brock Purdy clears concussion protocol, and I mean, maybe I'll, I'll regret that on Monday when you know if we get absolutely stuffed, kind of thing. But at the same time, uh, I would much rather see us go against the best in one or you know if we lose then at least we can say like well we were beaten by them and it's not like last year when the Jets beat us and it was White that done at quarterback yeah. using that example <laughs> when, when you look at other quarterbacks in the league that have been through the concussion protocol they've not trained there literally is a case of Captain Cottonwell and see how it happens the fact that he's back on the field throwing pass he's probably he's probably is trending towards playing if, that, if that's the stage yeah. in a Thursday afternoon when you're not playing till late on the Sunday you've got to think He's, he's going to clear that pr- protocol and, and play. Um, just to wrap, to wrap this one up, we talk a lot about the 49ers and how it is the system that is successful. Obviously, the players contribute to the system. But can Sam Darnold not just fit into that system and still make it work? Even though, he's, as you went through his numbers there, he's not anywhere near that level. But can the system was- see him through? Um. I will provide what I said with his numbers there. That's obviously all from being on bad teams. Now he would yeah. be playing the Niners, so that changes things. Um, the second part to the injury thing, though, I will say, and this is, to me, is probably a bigger deal maybe even than Debo being out, is Trent Williams. He's still not practising fully. And that knee injury he had against the Browns, and then for some reason he decided to, you know, he went, he went to be the... You know, he tried to be the honourable teammate or the kind of the the yeah. good soldier, and went, "I'm going to go in here. I can't have the rookie 
go up against yeah. Miles Garrett and then he just proceeded to get ragdolled. Yeah. Why would you choose to, when you're injured to play against Miles Garrett? And then obviously he missed last week and again, taking nothing away from the Vikings, I do feel like that had a massive impact on mm. the the Niners game plan and or how things went kind of play call wise. So if Trent Williams is out this week, I think Darnold is humped if yeah. he's in. But if it's a fully healthy Niners O line and Trent Williams plays, uh yeah, Darnold could definitely succeed. <laughs> We've seen other guys do it, so why not? <laughs> I am just going to quickly find to see if he's even training or not, but why is this? This isn't even updating. I've got a random. It'd be interesting if um, if he is fit and, like you say, he offers that extra bit of QB protection. There's always been this narrative of ah, uh, Purdy's just he slots in there. He you could put anybody in there. You could anybody could sit up as quarterback for the 49ers and, and succeed. Yeah. So it would be a it would be a really good comparison if. Donald does come in and he's got and all that protection in front of him. And does Donald then suddenly look incredible? Um, that that would be the, the, the kind of comparison. Yeah, he could, he could come in and be terrible, and then all of a sudden, everyone that's been you know rigorously defending Brock Purdy and you know back, yeah. backing him as as the the, the talented yeah. quarterback that we've seen he can be. But there's always been this kind of background noise of yeah, but anybody could come in and do that in the 49ers. So. If, if if Williams does does come in, then yeah, by all means, let's let's get Donald in and see what he can actually do. Yeah. Right, Stu. Before we move on to predictions, any, anything else you want to tell us about this game? Any, any more info that you've got there? I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I do feel as if we've not covered this game as much as we could over the time frame. So I want to see if we can. Well, I want to make sure you get everything. I, out. I mean, it's, I thought it was good to you know I I had a lot of fun talking about those other earlier games because I mean it's, I talk Bengals all the time with everybody, so it's nice to a bit refreshing to spend less time talking about this but yeah I mean the only other stuff I would add is like uh, for the Bengals that's the one thing again going back to the quarterbacks and Trent Williams being out is we are I know I don't know what it was I know going into the bye week and obviously things will have changed now because other teams have played going into the bye we were maybe not in sacks but we were fourth in the league in quarterback pressures so that's like something that we have been doing pretty well. Like, uh, our, basically, our defence has kept us in it. That's why we're three and three. Um, and if Williams is out, if we can keep getting pressures, because uh, Hendrickson has now started getting sacks again, which he wasn't really getting last year, um, I think that we've got guys that can get home and they could get to Purdy or Darnold if Williams is out. If Williams is in there, kind of changes things. We'll still be able to get the pressure in, but... Williams is such a good... Like, I think he's the best left tackle in the league. Um, no offence to any left tackles that you guys love, but, like, uh, Williams is... He's a bit of an... Loves a flag, but he's an animal and a mauler kind of thing, so you expect that. Um, for us, again, on left tackles, uh, Orlando Brown, I know he's been limited in practice this week. That's the only other note I have there for of note on injury for the, the Bengals. ADG's still out, but... Uh, our linebackers have been doing okay without him so far, so I'm not too worried on that. But uh, Orlando Brown might be one to watch, although I feel like it's maybe just maintenance, like kind of thing. Like that's why he was limited, rather than we're actually worried he's going to miss the game. Okay, doc. Excellent. Very good in-depth coverage. Yeah. Hey, right, let's get predictions. Smudger. Oh, no caveats allowed. No, no, no. Oh, right. Okay. Do you know what? Stu, I'm, I'm saying 
Purdy doesn't play. Darnold comes in, and the Bengals get the win. How about that? Wow, I mean, I would love that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I I'll go next. I'll, leave you, I'll let you finish this one off, Stu. I'm going to go, Purdy plays, but the Bengals still win. Oh, my God, why are you putting this on me? Because, like, I'm sitting here going, my like, you can't possibly take the 49ers now, Stu. But, but every single time that we have the three sweet or yeah, four, however many on it, we literally kiss a death the game. Yeah. And I've been sitting here going, like, no, nah, this is the week. Joe Burrow's back. He's no injured anymore. Everything's going to click finally on offense. Like, we're going to look at the Bengals last year and we'll win. Stu, the, I've got the answer. Pick a tie. There you go. <laughs> I'm not, I did, no, I'm not doing it. No, that's a cop out. The Bengals, that's, I'm actually going to say the Bengals win. The Bengals win. And uh, so the three, with Kiss, Kiss of Death is enacted, Bengals win. <laughs> to be fair, we've all picked the 49 to win the last two games and they didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. It's time they won a game again, you're right. <laughs> let's let's rattle through these next two bits very quickly. So, we're going to do the rest of one. So, I've got, I've got five games for this this week. So, uh, we're just doing it normal clockwise rotation, one word answers only. Uh, Cowboys, Rams, Smudger. Yeehaw! Let's do it. Same game. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, I think uh, Yeehaw is the right answer. Yeehaw. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for the <laughs> Yeehaws with that as well. Uh, Vikings, Green Bay. Oh, come on. We're obviously um, going to beat those filthy Packers. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> Sorry, Liam, but uh, yeah, Vikes win. Skull. Vikes win. <laughs> Skull. Yeah, going Vikings as well here. They're really starting to show up. Uh, Jaguars, Steelers. Uh, Trevor the Jags. That's a tough one. Who's it? I was going to say, who's at home? You know what? No, pick, I, it? I think, pick it out. I'm going to go Steelers. I just have oh, a Steelers at, oh, Steelers at home. Yeah, mm. Steelers at home. Okay. Horrible feeling. Pick it out. <laughs> Pick it out. Oh. Uh, uh, I packed the Jags too many times this season and let me down. Nah, I'm going to go Steelers as well. Interesting. Uh, Saints, Colts. I'm going to go Colts in this one. Uh, I'm going to say Breezy does it. <laughs> Breezy does it. Yeah, Saints. <laughs> uh, after being absolutely raging at Minshew Mania two weeks ago and I'm absolutely falling apart, dropped on fantasy and obviously turned up last week. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. I just I'm not impressed by the Saints this year. <laughs> Against me. Uh? I'm going to go Colts as well. Uh, I so they, t- they turned up, but they still lost. They lost to the Browns. I, I, I actually just wanted to say Breezy does it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and last one, uh, Browns against the Seahawks. Oh, this is a weird one. Um, I think if... I think DK Metcalf is hopefully going to be back for this one. Um, Browns... QB wise, yeah, it's, there's going to be no no Watson there, so it's going to be. I think I think Seahawks. Yep. Uh, PJ Walker takes a dump in Seattle, and uh, Seahawks win. Uh, I think it doesn't make a difference if TK Metcalf's back or not because they don't throw him the ball anyway. 
So I'm going to go Browns. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want the Browns and the Steelers to win because I picked Steelers earlier. So well, the Browns will win, but I'm going to say Seahawks because <laughs> why right, not? Let's quickly get the fantasy studs put out of the way. So, uh, Craig, QBs. Right, okay. So hang on till I bring up my notes. Um right, forget you're even doing this, Matt Smudger. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean I made, made some made some notes. Um yeah. we've we've talked about them loads earlier on, so I'm not gonna I'm just gonna do this quickly. CJ Stroud is my stud QB this week. I think he's gonna put on an absolute show. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz, he's got so many guys that he could chuck the ball to. So he's my he's my stud QB this week. Yep, we sleep up. Um, he was pretty poor last week. But I think Jared Goff's going to bounce back pretty well. They're at home against the Raiders, so he, he doesn't he travel well. Jared Goff, that's the thing. But he's at home. He's he's comfortable. He's in fourth field. I'm going for Goff. Is yeah, bounce back game for him. Nice, perfect. Right, RBs. Uh, I have uh, Dondre Swift because the, the Eagles they're playing the Broncos, aren't they? I think so. I'd- yes. Yeah, I generally choose which I'm oh, running. Commanders, sorry, Commanders. <laughs> oh, Commanders. Yeah, yeah, the Commanders are also not good at the run game. And I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of running in it just because the Eagles are going to pull away quite early. And uh, DeAndre Swift's going to see a lot of work. Okay, uh, sleep up. I'm actually going with him because he's a local boy. Chuba Hubbard. I think he's going to oh. eat so much of Miles Sanders' time. And I just yeah. I don't trust Miles Sanders there. And... I feel like, again, if Carolina's going to get anything in that Texans game, I, I agree, I still think the Texans win it easily, but if they're going to get anything going, they need to do what they did last week with my, or the other week against Miami, where Chuba ran the ball hard and you know got a touchdown and 80-odd yards. Excellent. I had Scott down to the wide receiver, so I'll obviously take that over. So this week I'm going to go for studs. It's going to be Zay Flowers. I think he is getting Ooh. better and better each week, and he's... Yep. he's He's starting to show what he can do. They're up against Arizona. I think Zay Flowers will continue and he will be the stud this week. But uh, I don't really know if this guy is going to be a sleeper because he's still a wee bit under the radar. We've raved about him already tonight. Tank, eh, no, tank, Nico Collins, I think, is going to be my sleeper this week. I think he... Yep. It's a toss-up between him and Tank. They'll just decide... Whoever CJ Stroud decides to throw the ball to out of the two of them, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be the sleeper this week. But I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Collins. I'm really impressed with him, and I think they've, they've got a good matchup this week uh, there. So, Craig, back to yourself for tight ends. Okay, so yeah, it's National Tight End Day. Was it last week? Last weekend, yeah. National last Tight week, End yeah. Day. Um, celebrating all things tight end, unless you were a Zach Ertz fantasy owner. Um, or unless, or unless you're Murdo in our fantasy league, who is currently crying because not only did he have, <laughs> did you not have him? He had Zachers, and he also had Dawson Knox, who's now on injured reserve. So he's I, 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 don't I don't know. I had Cole Komet, who got zero yards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a, been a and good a, and a bear wins. The <laughs> <A> bears, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, get, get a, we've talked about him before. Darren Waller, I think, from from a tight point of view, yeah, he's going to be the stud tight end. I think for the for the Giants, I think a lot of the ball is going to go to him. That that safety valve that we talked about when we did our deep dive into the the New York game. Hey, sleep up. So. I didn't talk about this player earlier on. I intentionally didn't when we do a, when we did a deep dive, but he caught my eye just from one play when the Panthers took that surprise lead against the Dolphins. Plus, 
he's got one of the best names in the NFL, and it's Tommy Tremble, right? <laughs> now, he, he, he made this unbelievable, like, in-the-air splits jump over saving Howard, um, and he had his first touchdown, I think, two weeks ago. Now, he's kind of, he's sharing the snap count at the moment with Hayden Hurst, but they've had a, they've had a wee buy. I think you might start to see him potentially taking more of the share. Um, so he's just maybe wanting to keep a wee eye on, but see, he's just got a brilliant name. Tommy Tremble's like, oh yeah. I, I think the name reminds me of he's like one of the he's like one of the opponents that you would be up against in Punch Out. Like remember the Nez Punch Out game where you had all these guys you were fighting. Like Tommy Tremble just sounds like a guy like that that you would be. You'd be you know up what, against. what the name reminds me of? He's what? that huge defensive lineman that somehow intercepts <laughs> the ball and runs it back. Just, you just yeah. imagine them Tommy trembling down the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. Actually, back to myself for these. This week, I think I've picked two studs. I think this is a problem. And I'm more going to... And I can't really call one of them a sleeper, but I know I need to. So the stud this week I'm going to go with is the Jets. I think they're going to just... Uh, we've already spoke about it, and I think the Giants are going to really struggle in the Jets' defence, getting Gardner back. Um, yeah, I think the Jets are going to really dominate that game. And the only classification I can give this team as a sleeper is because of who they're playing. I'm going to go with the Bucks. The Bucks have the third best defence in the league in points allowed, but up against the Bills, I think people would maybe not expect that to go. They're probably both studs. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue that, but I'm going to go Jets, Bucks, two studs. I'm not going to pick a sleeper. <laughs> I'm breaking the rules, but I'm making the rules tonight, so it's okay. <laughs> And stud, uh, Stu, we need to finish off, as always, with the kickers. Kickers. Okay, uh, I'm going with my stud of the week. I think um, Fairbairn. I've, we've picked loads of things for the Texans game. It's kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. We've done the same with the Raiders last week and it didn't work. Yeah, well, Kemi Fairbairn, I think uh, I can see him getting a decent amount of points this week as well because I, I feel like, you know, even with the Texans scoring well and everything, there are one of these teams I look at that sometimes they get to the red zone and they maybe can't quite punch at home, so they'll kick the field goal instead. So I'm picking him for stud of the week. For sleeper, I'm going to go with... I've been choosing between a few, a couple of guys for this one. Um, I'm going to go... I mean, he's not really a sleeper, actually, because the other guy I had written down was Aubrey, who isn't really a sleeper as a kicker at home. No, the guy's been like... Lights out fantasy wise. So I'm doing the same as you. Like ah, another <laughs> another guy to go for, kind of thing. But um, uh, you know, I guess if you're looking for somebody off the waiver wire, McPherson's back this week. He should be available in your waiver wire. But... So, bonus kicker. I'm just, glad, I'm just glad you didn't pick really partisan for the Lions because Scud's picked them the last two weeks and he's done nothing for my <laughs> yeah. fantasy team. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't pick Patterson. I mean, yeah, he, he should be good, so I don't know if I'm going to pick him as a sleeper either. But uh, <laughs> Anyway, guys, thanks very much. Uh, we have had a long pod tonight, but I think we can justify it. I think we have had a lot of very good discussion tonight, and we've covered topics that I don't think we've covered this season yet. Um, and I think we've got a, a good few deep dives into teams and players tonight, which I think... Uh, I think that's a justification to Keith that we went a wee bit over tonight. I think, I think, I think, I think we'll get away with it. I think we'll get away with it based on the quality that we have produced Absolutely. tonight. Absolutely. 
it has been top draw tonight, the discussion, guys. I have really appreciated your company tonight for these discussions. Uh, so thank you very much. No worries. Nope. Thanks Everyone for having me. Sorry, you go. There you go. You see, I, thanks, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure, as always. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, to everybody that's still listening, thank you very much for, for hanging on to the end. And I hope you've enjoyed the discussion tonight. Uh, catch us all the usual social places at Gridiron Crew. We'll catch, a pod, catch us wherever you get your podcasts. And until we're back next week with the review crew, which I'm sure the guys will make sure it isn't as long as tonight was, uh, we'll catch you there. Enjoy week eight. Remember, clocks go back on Sunday. Red Zone's at 5pm. And we can all keep Stu company for Sunday night and Monday night football. Good night, folks. I'll catch you later.